In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask you for pardon of my sins, and grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Mother Immaculate, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. The Holy Rosary is a powerful weapon. Use it with confidence and you will be amazed at the results. They're words of Saint Josemaria written in The Way. And I'm sure like many of the points in The Way, they are autobiographical. The founder of the work, we know it well, used the Holy Rosary, you could say, as a powerful weapon. Use it with confidence, he says, and you will be amazed at the results. So perhaps in this meditation of October during the month of the Rosary, we can pray about the power of the Rosary, that the Rosary is truly a powerful prayer, a very, very powerful prayer. Not in the sense that the rosary is like a magic formula. The rosary isn't magic. Prayer isn't magic. You might say magic isn't Christian in that sense. No, the rosary is powerful for very deep reasons. For many reasons. We've seen it in the history of the church many times. The feast of the Holy Rosary itself, uh, which is on the 7th of October was instituted by St. Pius V um, because at that time the uh, the Christian fleet was greatly outnumbered in the Battle of Lepanto and the Pope, Pope Pius V, a Dominican and the Dominicans of course were, were and are great promoters of the Rosary he, um, he encouraged um, Catholics to come together and say the rosary in their town squares or in their homes or in their local church because the Christian fleet was way smaller than the enemy. And uh, even while the battle was still raging miles away from him, he in the Vatican announced to everyone, the battle is won, it's sorted, because, because he had confidence in the intercession of Our Lady through the rosary. Our Lady of the Rosary is sometimes called our Lady of Victories, in fact. And that's the origin, it seems, of the feast of Our Lady of the Rosary. And it shows the power, the power of the Rosary. And we could think about the power of the Rosary in the fall of communism in Europe, uh, the end of the 1980s, the beginning of the 1990s. It doesn't take much to join the dots between Our Lady of Fatima, Our Lady of the Rosary of Fatima, be precise, St. John Paul II and the fall of communism. It's a fascinating story. And again, it talks about the power, the power of the rosary. And sometimes we see those, those charming paintings, you know, great big fearsome paintings even of the last judgment. And Christ the judge is there and souls are ranged before him and some are going up to heaven some unfortunately are going in the wrong direction. 
And then there are those others who are clinging to the rosary which is held out to them by the mother of God, by Mary. She's beside her son and she's holding out the rosary beads and she's, you know, she's drawing up people who are clinging to the beads. The rosary most certainly is a way of salvation for the salvation of souls. So it's very, very powerful. But we might say, in what does this power of the rosary consist? Well, we could look at it maybe from three points of view. Firstly, the rosary is a powerful prayer because it's the story of Christ's life. Secondly, the rosary is a powerful prayer because it's the story of my life. And thirdly, the rosary is a powerful prayer because it's the story of the life of our people. So firstly, let's try and meditate on the rosary's power as an immersion into the mystery, into the life of you, Lord Jesus Christ. Christian prayer is always centred on you, Jesus, on the contemplation of your sacred humanity. You and only you reveal God the Father to us. No one comes to the Father except through me. He who has seen me has seen the Father. I am the way and the truth and the life. Yes, Jesus, you are the way, the sacred humanity of Christ. There is only one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. So it's so good for us, so encouraging, so essential for us to meditate on Christ our Lord and you Jesus in your humanity we need that so much a few days ago we had the feast of the great Saint Teresa of Avila who you might say was a great friend of the sacred humanity of Christ and in the book of her life she says a person can bear all things provided he possesses Christ Jesus dwelling within him as his friend and affectionate guide. Christ gives us help and strength. He never deserts us and is true and sincere in his friendship. We could meditate for a long time on those words, which surely also in the case of Trees of Avila are highly autobiographical. Christ is our best friend. A man or a woman can bear all things, provided he has Christ dwelling within him as his sure and trusted friend. Our St. Thomas Aquinas says, Jesus Christ is our best and our wisest friend. Jesus, I want to love you. I want to know you. I want to contemplate you. I want to be known and loved and contemplated by you. And all of this we do through contemplating the gospel. But the rosary is nothing other than, to quote one of the recent popes, a compendium of the gospel. In fact, the rosary is a privileged um, entrance or means of contemplating Christ and his humanity because we're contemplating you, Lord, through the eyes and through the heart of your mother. I mean, what better way is there to reach the sacred humanity of Christ and ultimately the intimacy of the Trinity, if not through the memories and the heart of Mary, the one who was closest to you, Lord, 
who was most on your wavelength, your mother, and who's also our mother. The rosary brings the family of the church together. It brings Christ to his people, his brothers and sisters, and it brings his brothers and sisters, you and I, to Christ through the heart of the mother. St. John Paul II has that beautiful letter on the Holy Rosary from the year of the rosary, not long before he died. It's called Rosarium Virginis Maria, the rosary of the Virgin Mary. And in it, he talks about the rosary as Mary's memories. It's kind of where we unlock Our Lady's heart and we unpack all the treasures we find in there. Just like St. Luke in his Gospel, he says that Mary kept all these things, pondering them in her heart. St. Luke says that on several occasions, after the visit of the Magi to Bethlehem, and then later on, after Jesus has been lost and found in the temple, we're told, Mary kept all these things, pondering them in her heart. Your heart, Mother, is for us a source of immense treasure, because your heart is full of Jesus. And in the Rosary, we, if you like, access these memories, these uh, mysteries of Christ through the most intimate connection with him, which is Mary. I mean, it's often said, you know, if you want to get to know somebody, talk to their mother. Well, that's precisely what we do in the Rosary. That's why it's so, it's such a profound prayer. Jesus, I need you so much. We all need you so much. We, we need a saviour. We need a redeemer. We need an unconditional lover. And all of that is you. And, and we find you in the rosary. We find above all your love. Your love in your incarnation. Your love in your public ministry. Your love in your agony. Your love in your cross. Your love in your resurrection. And your love in and through your mother. Going back to that um, writing there of St. Teresa of Avila, she says, Whenever we think of Christ, let us always bear in mind that love of his, which drove him to bestow upon us so many gifts and graces. Let us, whenever we think of Christ, let us always bear in mind that love of his. Jesus in the rosary, I certainly come across that love of yours. That's why the rosary is so powerful, because it puts us in intimate dialogue, an intimate communion, a loving connection with you, Jesus, our Redeemer, our Saviour, our only one. How can we grow in being Christ-centred? Well, through the rosary through being with the rosary, through loving Christ in the rosary, to sharing the sentiments of Christ in the rosary. On May the 15th last, um, Pope Francis canonized, I think it was 10 new saints. It was, I think, the first canonization ceremony since the pandemic had happened, so there hadn't been canonizations for quite a while. And uh, one of those who was canonized is... Uh, St. Titus Bransma, a Carmelite, an intellectual, a philosopher, a man of great depth, you might say a great friend of the cross, also because of the circumstances of his life. He, um, 
He was Dutch. He was from a poor family. He uh, was intellectually gifted. In fact, uh, if I'm not mistaken, he founded the uh, University of Nijmegen in Holland, which is still there in the Netherlands, a Catholic university. Um, And then, during the Nazi occupation of Holland, he was tasked by the Dutch bishops of with trying to help Catholic press to survive the pressures of Nazi propaganda, to navigate a way through that really tricky situation. And, of course, it wasn't long before he came to the notice of um, of the Nazis and he was imprisoned, first of all, in a prison and then he was taken off to Dachau, concentration camp. And Dachau, of course, uh, is notorious for many reasons, but also in Dachau there was what is now sometimes referred to as the priest's barracks, where priests and bishops were imprisoned, also some Protestant ministers as well, and seminarians as well. And uh, they were murdered um, with particular ferocity. I mean, several thousand died there. And they were treated with particular odium because they were ministers of of Jesus Christ. And, uh, well, Titus Bransma ended up there, and eventually he... He was so ill that he was brought to the camp infirmary. And uh, I suppose the particularity of the camp infirmary is that it didn't make you better. It was a place where people were killed by lethal injection, in fact. And, uh, well, a a lady, a nurse, a so-called nurse, was sent to give Titus his lethal injection to put him to an end. And he saw her coming and started speaking with her and knew perfectly well what she was about to do. And um, he tried to reason with her for the sake of her own soul. You know, why are you doing this? Have you no qualms? Do you not realize what you're at? Have you no faith in God? Are you not a Christian? And uh, she said something like, well, I was a Catholic one time, but all that is rubbish or I've no time for that or whatever. She dismissed him, really. And he said, I know what you're doing here. I know what you're going to do to me. You should think about that. You should reflect on that. He tried to to get her to think, and uh, she was very closed to anything. But he, he said to her, well, look, take my rosary. He had made a little rosary out of bits of cloth or bits of threads in the, in the camp because he was saying his rosary a lot, and he didn't have one, so he had to make one out of just bits of scraps. And that's all he had, and he, he gave her his rosary because he was about to die. He said, well, take that. And maybe that'll help you to reflect in the future. So she took it, and then she she killed him. And uh, and then I don't remember the exact year, but not so well. A number of years after the war, I think it was in the nineteen fifties. The same lady, um, the same lady went to a church in 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 the Netherlands there, and and told the whole story, and and was deeply deeply repentant was reconciled with the church and was the first witness in his process of canonization. But it's a nice link with the rosary. And you think of Titus Brandsma and maybe also today in our own time, other Christians who are in concentration camps in prisons around the world, because I'm afraid it's still a reality. We live in an age of martyrs and they are living off the rosary and they are very united to Christ in his suffering through the rosary. And you and I, it's good that we kind of weave in our own lives, our own bits and pieces, in with Christ, in with the humanity of Christ, whom we contemplate in the rosary. 
So the first reason, Jesus, that I want to treasure the rosary is because it's your life. And it's your life seen and felt, if you like, with your mother. And that, that means so much to us, really. The second reason is the rosary is very powerful because it's also the story of my life. We might wonder, like, what does that mean? Well, the truth is that in baptism, as St. Paul says, you know, in baptism we are buried with Christ and we also rise with Christ. That in baptism, we don't just join a club or a society, like we actually become identified with our Lord. Our Lord identifies himself with us through through his divine graciousness, through, through grace. So, so that we could say also with St. Paul, it is not I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. Um, that's a very deep reality, and that's our identity. Jesus, we can say with St. Paul, all of us, that we live in you, that you live in us, that you live in me. Uh, also, St. Paul says to the Colossians, of course, your life is hidden with Christ in God. And therefore, if your life is my life, Jesus, if my life is your life, Jesus, then in the mysteries of the rosary, I somehow find myself, my own vocation, my own calling, my own ups and downs. Maybe when I contemplate the Annunciation, I can consider the way you've called me even into existence or to be baptized or to be in the church or maybe you've graced me with a specific vocation. Well, indeed, we all have a specific vocation and we thank our Lord for that. And maybe when I contemplate the visitation, I see my efforts, maybe poor at times, but nonetheless, my efforts to bring the joy of the gospel to others, just as Mary brings Jesus to Elizabeth, we all try and bring Jesus to one another and to especially people who don't know him every day. We all have our own journey across the mountains at times to bring Jesus to others. Or, or when I contemplate, Lord, that occasion when you're lost and found in the temple and I see the anxiety and the bewilderment of, of Mary and Joseph, well, I also see there my own stresses and anxieties, my own difficulty at times in understanding the mystery of God. We know that uh, we're told by St. Luke in his Gospel that Our Lady and St. Joseph did not understand what Our Lord said to them after that episode. Kind of consoling for me, Lord, because at times I don't understand everything in your, in your majestic design, in your wisdom. Naturally, it's beyond me. Even things in my own life, I sometimes can't get my head around them. I just have to trust you and that gives me peace. In the agony in the garden, Maybe I see my own difficulties, at times my own struggle to embrace the will of God. Father, if you will take this chalice away from me, but not my will, but yours be done. So many aspects of the rosary where we can see ourselves. And, and maybe at times we find ourselves saying the rosary and we're, we're half distracted or even quite distracted. Of course, we should never admit any voluntary distractions, we should try and avoid them. We all know that. But sometimes, despite our best efforts, we are distracted because, I don't know, we might be just preoccupied with a particular difficulty, a concern, a person, a situation. Well, in that case, we weave it into the rosary. It becomes part of the life of Christ in me. You know, if I'm worried about my job, or about an illness, or I'm concerned for a particular friend or relative, 
Well, that's part somehow of the working out of Christ's life in me, of my life in Christ. And therefore, there's no problem in weaving it into the rosary. It becomes precious and beautiful and valuable and can become an occasion of grace insofar as it becomes part of the rosary. The rosary is like, I don't know, a tapestry that I'm weaving with my life. In um, Charles Dickens' great uh, historical novel, A Tale of Two Cities, there is that um, character in Paris, in pre-French Revolution Paris, or maybe even during the Revolution, uh, Madame Defarge, and she and her husband have a public house, a tavern there in Paris. And whenever anybody goes into that tavern, Madame Defarge is there knitting away on her knitting needles, and she's all the time knitting, knitting, industriously knitting. But unsuspected by others, it seems that she's knitting into her knitting the names of those people she wants to send to the guillotine, the people she wants to, uh, to get rid of. Now, maybe that's a kind of a, a negative image, but in a positive sense, we can weave into our rosary all those people we have in our heart, all those great intentions, peace in the world, the unity of the church, fraternity, love within the church. This is an important intention at this time. Um, prayer for the dying, prayer for the dead, prayer, of course, for the Holy Father, for our bishops, for the church, for vocations, prayer for the family of Opus Dei, for the prelate, again, for vocations, for faithfulness, prayer for those who are never prayed for, their prayer for those who are forgotten. Or maybe just one day we say, look, my rosary today is a rosary of thanksgiving. Or today my rosary is a rosary of reparation. Or today my rosary is a rosary of joy. Or today my rosary is a rosary of pure adoration. Whatever it might be. But to link our life, our moods even, you might say, our experiences in with the rosary. And, and that makes sense. Because your life is hidden with Christ in God. And if the rosary is all about an immersion into Christ, and you and I are immersed by baptism into Christ, surely in the rosary we also find ourselves. We find ourselves. And in that sense, the rosary is a powerful prayer. It links our daily life with, with Christ himself, with the Trinity. Thirdly, and finally, we could say that the rosary is very powerful because it's the story of my family life or of the life of my people. This is a beautiful thing about the rosary, isn't it? That it is the prayer of the people of God. All kinds of people pray the rosary. And it's a very mistaken idea to think the rosary is a simplistic prayer. The rosary is profoundly uh, sophisticated, you might say, in spiritual terms, because it involves contemplative prayer, vocal prayer, mental prayer. The rosary contains within, within it every aspect of prayer, petition, adoration, contrition, reparation, every aspect of prayer, also thanksgiving, of course. The rosary can often be linked with the Eucharist, and there are documents of the Holy See of the Magisterium that encourage praying the rosary before the Blessed Sacrament. There's no opposition between the rosary and the cult of the Eucharist. And in fact, we know in many of our parishes, thanks be to God, the rosary is said straight after Mass. And what more wonderful act of thanksgiving. I mean, 
to link the rosary with the Eucharist makes perfect sense because the Eucharist is you, Lord Jesus, in the mystery of in your Paschal mystery, and the rosary is nothing other than a contemplation of that Paschal mystery. And it is the prayer of the people of God, of the communion of saints. It's a wonderful thing, isn't it, that when we when we're saying the rosary, we consider we can consider how we are united with all our brothers and sisters all over the world who are saying the rosary at this time. It really does unite us. Um, brothers and sisters of ours who probably we won't meet this side of heaven, you know, maybe they're saying the rosary in a family right now in India or in uh, New York or in Alaska or in, I don't know, anywhere we care to say, Tierra del Fuego, it could be any part of the world. Or maybe there are brothers and sisters of ours, unfortunately, surely there are brothers and sisters of ours who are in, in deep danger at this time, maybe danger for their faith, maybe in prison, maybe trying to escape. And they're saying the rosary. And we're united with them. And in a sense, we touch them and they touch us in this prayer. Of course, the rosary also links us with all those saints and great women and men who have promoted the rosary every way they could. Um, naturally, we think of Saint Jose Maria, who uh, did so much to promote the Rosary. I mean, it's always good for us to to look at his meditations on the Rosary in the book Holy Rosary. It's it's a wonderful uh, it's a wonderful text. And if we wanted to grow in a spirit of spiritual childhood, uh, there's no better way really than to uh, to meditate on how Saint Jose Maria contemplates the mysteries of the Rosary. Um, so many saints, Mother Teresa of Calcutta, who was, you could say, a whirlwind of goodness, you know, of mercy, of charity. Well, the rosary was an essential part of her, you might say, even of her dress, you know, of, of how she went around. She always had the rosary with her. She was always promoting the rosary. But whether the person she was speaking to was Catholic or not, she encouraged the rosary. Um, St. John Paul II, whose feast also falls this month of October, who gave everybody he met a rosary, especially as Pope, he was always giving people a rosary. I think the succeeding Popes have continued that custom, Benedict and Francis, when they meet somebody, unless there's a good reason not to do it, they give the person a rosary. Because, of course, when you give someone a rosary, you're giving them Christ, you're giving them a treasure. Or we could think of that very interesting saint, Blessed Bartolo Longo, who... Uh, very interesting person who, 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 with his family, with his wife, set up the shrine of Our Lady of the Rosary in Pompeii in Italy. He, uh, when he went to university, I think it was law he was studying, he fell in with the wrong crowd and, and he lost his faith, or at least he gave up practicing it. And in fact, he sunk to the real depths because he became a, he became a, a satanic priest, if you don't mind. Uh, he got involved in devil worship. So he was in a very bad way and just personally that took a huge toll on him, even on his health. And gradually a friend of his encouraged him, encouraged him uh, back to the church, also through the rosary, through saying the rosary. And he himself became very devoted to the rosary and that's why he built this basilica of Our Lady of the Rosary in Pompeii. And several of recent popes have visited there and done pilgrimages there. Again, that's maybe a dramatic story but it is good to be aware of these saints and, and I suppose the transformative effect of the rosary. We're praying here above all about the power of the rosary 
And the power of the rosary is to transform us into Christ. The power of the rosary is to sanctify us, to make us holy, and ultimately, therefore, to make us happy. And maybe as you and I are praying now, certain people might be coming to your mind, coming to my mind as well, uh, people who are profoundly wise, people of substance, people of deep love and mercy, people like who are not famous at all, who will never be canonized, and yet they have this richness, this depth um, that comes from the rosary. Sometimes these people maybe didn't receive a great formal education, uh, but they received the true wisdom of God because they said the rosary every day. We all know people like that, I think, and, it, and it's a great richness to know that kind of person and to discover the transforming power of the rosary. Well, we're going to finish our prayer very shortly and let's turn to Our Lady, Queen of the Holy Rosary. We know, Mother, that you have time and again encouraged us to take up this great prayer. Uh, we could obviously think of Lourdes, of Fatima, so many places. Um, we ask you, Mother, to intercede for us before the Lord that we may appreciate the power of this prayer, the power of this prayer, which is meditation on Christ. It's, it's powerful because it immerses us into the mystery of our Lord, Jesus, who is the sum totem and fullness of divine revelation, who, who reveals God to us. The rosary is powerful because it's the story of my, my own life, of our own lives, woven in with the mystery of Christ. And the rosary is powerful because it's the prayer of our family, of the people of God. All of us. We ask you, Saint Jose Maria, give us faith and experience of the power of the Rosary. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask you for help to put them into effect. My Mother Immaculate, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. <laughs>